You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. Scary moments for staff and students at Langara College today. The campus evacuated and still closed as heavily armed officers systematically sweep the buildings. Our Tanya Beja is live at the school tonight with breaking details of an arrest in this case. Tanya. That's right, Chris. Police just announced that they have arrested a man in his 20s following a major incident at Langara today. Police were called to the college around 11.30 this morning following reports of a suspicious fire. They arrived on scene, spoke with witnesses and determined that a suspect had entered the building with what they're calling incendiary devices. They say he lit at least one fire before fleeing the scene. Here's how students describe what they saw. So we were in class and guys came in and they told us that you have to go out, there's fire there and we just left. Oh, my friend was like taking exam, then behind her there is a mirror, then the fire bomb. There was a fire in the T-building on the fifth floor. Uh, the flames were shooting out of one of the rooms on that fifth floor that was likely in the chemistry area. Um, so faculty was pushing everyone out. Langara was evacuated and classes cancelled for the day. Nobody injured, thankfully, but the incident did provoke a massive police response. Uh, members of the Vancouver Police Emergency Response Team were here, along with their canine unit. They spent hours searching the various buildings and say they did find a number of suspicious devices. So they say they will continue searching campus throughout the evening. Now, the suspect, as I say, has been arrested. He was arrested by transit police in in Surrey around four this afternoon. No word yet on his identity. Chris, back to you. And Tanya, we're talking about more than just the 49th Avenue campus too, right? There's more to this. That's right. Langara says they are also cancelling all classes and closing uh, college at their campus, 601 West Broadway campus. That will be closed tonight. Also, no word yet on whether the college will reopen tomorrow. Chris? All right, thanks for the update, Tanya. We'll continue to follow that throughout the evening as well, right here and online. Now, more breaking news, this time in Squamish. Crews responding to a wildfire that broke out about an hour ago. BC Wildfire Service says it's about 17 kilometers up Squamish Valley. An attack team is on the ground and a helicopter is assisting. Right now it covers only about half a hectare, but it's reportedly spreading fast up the hill. Heavy smoke can be seen, as you can tell from these pictures in the area. The fire is believed to be human-caused, so timely reminder for people to be careful out there in the backcountry. And the warm, dry weather is contributing to a lot of concern for the upcoming wildfire season. Last year has burned a record area and was one of the costliest to fight. Paul Johnson explains how the consequences of those fires coupled with one of the driest marches we've ever seen, could lead to another destructive summer. So the fire started on the western end, and then it moved along there. No, you're not looking at the aftermath of a wildfire from last year's terrible season. 
These are the burned-over hills from wildfires just this past weekend near Chase. It's not completely unheard of, but it's definitely not typical either. There were actually two wildfires north of the Thompson River in the Shuswap region. Likely human-caused, they burned through grass and brush until they were brought under control by the wildfire service. No one was injured and no structures were lost. But what a chill it sent through the area. So dry. It's like before we were going from flooding to wildfire, but it's really un unprecedented. We just go straight to wildfire before we even get to flooding. And it's not just their part of the province that's unusually dry right now. From Abbotsford clear up to the Peace region, we've seen only a fraction of the rainfall we usually get in March. Fort St. John just recorded its driest march on record, setting the stage for what could be a very busy wildfire season. This winter has been a very dry uh, winter, you know, so far. And uh, there's not much snow hanging around to, to keep things uh, damp. With fresh memories of the two previous summers, where catastrophic fires did record damage and even blanketed the lower mainland with smoke, officials are advising people to be extra vigilant about managing trees and brush near their homes. It's early spring, and BC's interior is already tinder dry. People have just got to start learning how to live with it. Paul Johnson, Global News. A lot of evidence to be concerned. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with a closer look at the rainfall totals for March. And Christy, we are used to seeing a lot more rain. Oh, yes, we sure are. Just have a look at the last five years as an example. We saw more than 150 millimeters of rain uh, in most of them, except for last year. But that was actually right bang on to the average we would typically see through the month of March. Now, let's have a closer look also at the number of days we saw with rain. So we only actually saw eight days with significant rainfall, a couple more with just a trace. Typically through the month of March, we would get 17.5 days with rain, just to give you an idea of how dry it is out there. So it is a very good thing that we have this on the way. So from Wednesday through Sunday, we will see heavy rain, potentially 74 millimeters in Metro Vancouver in just five days. And that would be more than double what we saw through the entire month of March. Uh, we will be watching for my are flooding for sure, but it is needed, that rain. It sure is, and we'll get uh, an expanded forecast coming up a little later when we yeah. check in. Thanks very much, Christy. More tonight on a cougar attack on Vancouver Island that left a young boy traumatized with serious injuries. Tonight, the boy's father tells Global News how it all unfolded and thanks those who stepped up to help the family. That's his little fort. For a seven-year-old, playing behind a wall of rocks and wood is usually a safe haven. But that wasn't the case here last Friday. My son heard the cougar come through the salal. At first glance, Zach Bromley thought the animal was just a dog. But moments later, it pounced, attacking the young boy. It latched on and put a real big gash on his head, and it latched on to Zach's forearm. His mother, Chelsea, heard the commotion and jumped into action, physically prying the jaws of the cougar apart while screaming for help. You know, she said it was... It was pretty well instantaneous. The, the jaw opened up right away. Within minutes, the ambulance arrived at the Lake Cowichan home and rushed the family to hospital in Victoria. At the same time, conservation officers hunted down two young cougars who were still lurking in the area. 
And then after a while, I heard a shot. Both animals were killed. Their bodies have been sent for necropsies. Both cats, uh, from the first look, they're, they're quite thin. Um, they're young cats, you know, um, not looking like they're doing very well. There could be more in the area. Conservation officers have set a trap on the property. And it's not the only reminder of this terrifying ordeal. The one on his arm where it bit on, um, those, are, those are true lacerations and you can see those are claw marks. And uh, he'll be able to hold that up and I think he'll top a lot of stories. Zach still has a long recovery ahead, not just physically, but emotionally as well. His family and the community are rallying around him knowing it could have been much worse. He's seven, but he knows like he could have died there, right? So he's processing it. And so we're just protecting him to give him that time to kind of just get through this. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Lake Cowichan. If you are already feeling nickel and dimed in your life, brace for it, because starting today, you'll be shelling out even more for living expenses. April 1st is the start of the fiscal year, a day we annually see increases. And this year, there are plenty. Jill Bennett has more on how much it's going to cost you. It's now more expensive to fill up in B.C. And even though drivers have ways of saving money... I usually try to fill it up in Abbotsford because it is a lot cheaper out there. There is no way to escape some of the tax hikes in place as of April 1st. The BC carbon tax is going up by 1.5 cents per litre. The TransLink tax here in Metro Vancouver up 1.5 cents per litre. And ICBC rates are going up by more than 6%. The increases will cost commuters and drivers hundreds of dollars more each year. Last October, gas prices soared to new levels. They're close to breaking records once again. But when challenged on the tax increases, the Premier defended them, saying there's more to it. We're all working together to reduce our emissions. We're working together to make life more affordable for British Columbians. But a one cent a litre impact is not the 10 cent spike we saw at the pumps. That's gouging in my opinion. It might not feel more affordable though. Even if you don't drive, you'll likely be affected. A quick little saying we have in the trucking industry, if you bought it, a truck brought it. Trucks that deliver goods can easily burn $1,000 a day in fuel. And when it costs more, we add that to our freight bill and pass it on to the customer, which then has to pass it on to their customers. Chris Sims wants people to fight back, saying government is permanently increasing the cost of living. They're nickel and diming British Columbians to death. It's getting ridiculous. Buck 60 for gas? Come on. That sucks. It's already pretty steep, man. If you'd prefer to stay in the dark when it comes to higher taxes, that could actually save you money. <laughs> because BC hydro rates are also up as of April 1st by 1.8%, part of an 8.1% hike over five years. Jill Bennett, Global News. Keith Faldry is live in Victoria right now with more on the gas tax and what was said about the increase during question period today. Keith, what have you got? Yeah, first of all, we're going to walk everybody through just exactly how much taxes are part of your your, uh, bill at the pump. It's quite a bit and it goes up every year. You mentioned the fiscal year begins today. So here's how the taxes break down uh, in terms of what you're paying when you fill up your car. First of all, the carbon tax is uh, going up. It's now going to be 9.3 cents a litre. TransLink, 18.5 cents a litre. The federal excise tax is 10 cents. The Transportation Authority fuel tax is 6.75 cents. The provincial motor fuel tax is 1.75 cents. The GST, and this is just an estimate, 7.7 cents. That's likely going to be higher. 
if the price of gas goes higher, adds up to 54 cents a, a, for taxes per liter. That's up from 51 cents this time a year ago. The Liberals making the price at the pump, uh, the political hay in the question period today with Tracy Reddy's from the Liberals leading it off with a charge against George Heyman. On May 7, 2007, the now Premier said, consumers have had enough. They're fed up. They're being gouged. They're being hosed at the pumps, and they want their legislators to do something about it, end quote. Well, the Premier can now do something about it, Mr. Speaker, like reduce the provincial motor fuel tax or the carbon tax. So my question through you to the Premier, Mr. Speaker, is why instead is he hosing people at the pumps? Honourable Speaker, if you look at Clean BC, if the members opposite would take the time to look at the climate plan, they would realise that we're building a better future for British Columbians, for their children and grandchildren. So, Keith, is there any good news out there? Anywhere that British Columbians will be saving money in the year? Sadly, not much good news to report, Chris. However, if you pay medical service premiums, and that's a lot of people, they are going to disappear, but they're not going to disappear till January 20th. So you're going to feel some pain between now and then, but that's a big chunk of money for a lot of people. That's going away, replaced by the employer health tax. But between now and then, if you're driving a car, you're going to pay a lot more through insurance and gas. Sounds like it. Okay, thanks very much, Keith. The B.C. Trial Lawyers Association is taking the government to court over some of the changes at ICBC, the group filing a constitutional challenge, saying the changes should be about protecting the public interest, not about protecting ICBC. Richard Zussman explains what's at stake for drivers. As quickly as ICBC changes came in this morning, they were before the courts. We will be challenging the government's right to uh, take away the rights of injured individuals. The Trial Lawyers Association of BC filing a constitutional challenge. The group representing lawyers across the province arguing the Civil Resolution Tribunal is against the law. Quite simply, they prevent access to the courts. Um, the new Civil Resolution Tribunal will have exclusive jurisdiction to determine what is a so-called minor injury. The tribunal's an online portal, hearing motor vehicle injury claims worth less than $50,000. It will save ICBC money because it cuts down on lawyer costs. Soft tissue injury settlements are now capped at $5,500. What is concerning is the broad definition of soft tissue injuries. We've learned from those other jurisdictions and uh, we believe our definition is solid. British Columbia is the last jurisdiction in Canada to bring in caps where there's tort law. And in other provinces, those caps have been tested by the courts. The system that we've put forward uh, is, uh, in terms of the limits on pain and suffering awards, uh, consistent with initiatives that have been taken across Canada and upheld in other court decisions. The Civil Resolution Tribunal has been tested before and upheld by the courts as an appropriate way for British Columbians to access justice. Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson piling on, questioning the estimated billion dollars a year of savings the changes are forecast to bring in. And I don't think any of this is going to fix ICBC. People deserve a choice. Coming to the trial lawyer's defense is some high-profile support. Former Premier Eugène Desange, whose son was once ahead of the Trial Lawyers Association, says the new rules hurt those least able to advocate for themselves. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. The president of the White Rock Pride Society is accusing the Catholic Church of discrimination tonight. The group wanted to rent the community center attached to the Star of the Sea Roman Catholic Parish, but claimed they were turned down because of a battle over beliefs. 
Grace Key reports. Right next to the sign welcoming you to White Rock is the Rainbow Crosswalk. And just up the road is Ernie Clausen's flower shop. President of the White Rock Pride Society, he says he's always felt welcome in the community. Until last fall, when he tried to rent the Star of the Sea Community Centre owned by the local parish. I went and spoke to them and um, they said yes, it's available on that day. And then I said, in all fairness, I just need to let you know that it's the White Rock Pride Society, and I'm wondering if, the, if there's going to be any issues around that. Ernie says they received an email stating that the use of the facility must be in accordance with the core values of the church, so they were denied. The Pride Society wanted to hold a fundraiser in July for Alexander Neighborhood House, an organization operating programs for the LGBTQ community in South Surrey. It's called the Star of the Sea Community Centre, and they've got rental applications. It's, it's used weekly by community organizations. But according to the BC Civil Liberties Association, this isn't so black and white when you talk about freedom of religion versus the freedom not to be discriminated against. Neither of these rights are absolute. Um, and that's why you're going to have so many interpretations. I'm sure even the viewers watching this are going to have very strong feelings about where one starts and the other one stops. But they're both very core values to Canadians and they both underlie our charter of rights and freedoms. It's a community centre with an asterisk beside it except for certain people. And so, you know, it's, um, it's hurtful. The Archdiocese of Vancouver declined to comment. The White Rock Pride Society may be going back to the Elks Hall this year, but with last year's large crowd, they were hoping for a larger venue. Grace Key, Global News. It's not often we include fashion news on the news hour, but the B.C. legislature is modernizing its dress code, allowing the bare arms, or sorry, following the bare arms uproar, of late last week. The uproar began when legislature staff enforced that decades-old dress code advising several female staffers not to wear short sleeves or have bare shoulders. That policy provoked an immediate backlash and today, following a brief review, the speaker announced women will no longer be discouraged from wearing sleeveless clothing. Well, I'm glad for that we've modernized the uh, process and that adults can be adults. As I said on Friday, uh, I certainly believe that this is a professional environment and people know that who work here and they don't need to be policed. Now, it's amazing what you can find in a drop of water if you know where to look. That discovery is allowing BC researchers to find and protect endangered species in places where they are very difficult to spot. Linda Aylesworth explains how the new DNA identification technology works and why it's a giant leap for one species of frog. Imagine being tasked with the job of figuring out whether or not a particular endangered species, let's say a frog, lives in this stream. Well, endangered and threatened species, almost as a rule, are difficult to find because they're small in number which makes the traditional method of finding them physically slogging through the water, looking under rocks and logs, less than ideal. It's, it suffers from low success rates in finding animals. It's costly, very time-consuming, and sometimes very treacherous. But now, thanks to a study involving this little guy, an endangered tailed frog, and these researchers at the University of Victoria, there's a better way. Okay. Instead of looking for the actual creature, they look for the DNA it sheds. Anytime an animal opens its mouth, defecates, urinates, 
Pretty much any process of an aquatic animal will release DNA into its environment. It's called environmental or eDNA. The concept of finding a tiny bit of DNA of an endangered species in a water sample was amazing and we were able to actually make that a reality. It starts pretty simply by collecting water samples. Then it's back to the lab where the water is forced with a vacuum pump through a filter. All the DNA that was in the water should now be on this filter. The problem they had to solve, quickly and inexpensively finding the tailed frog's DNA among the myriad other types of DNA in the sample. It's so sensitive that it can literally detect like the proverbial DNA needle in a giant haystack. How did it work when put to the test? Over a four-year period, the traditional rock-turning method had an 8% detection rate. In contrast, we were able to go out um, and spend five days within the same area and get a 76% detection rate. It's an important innovation because in order to preserve the critical habitat of endangered or threatened species, you have to prove they live there. What we're doing is a kind of CSI for wildlife. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. They can stop them, but they chose not to. Now they're going to stop them. And if they don't stop them, we're closing the border. The White House doubling down tonight on a threat by Donald Trump to shut down the U.S.-Mexico border if Mexico doesn't stop the flow of migrants into America. The administration today reassigning hundreds of customs and patrol personnel to the border. Now, economists are warning of potentially disastrous consequences if Trump follows through, not the least of which could be a big jump in prices in stores. Bad news for Canadians who like to shop across the border. This is Tom Costello. It would likely only take a few weeks before Americans would notice a border shutdown in the grocery aisle. Nearly half of all imported vegetables and 40% of imported fruit are grown in Mexico. From the cucumbers and tomatoes in your salad to the avocados in your guacamole, even the blackberries and raspberries in your smoothie. Not to mention beer, wine, and tequila for your margaritas. Most of it comes from Mexico. If the border closes, Americans could find themselves short on some key ingredients they've come to love. Avocados could be gone within three weeks. And because of the growing season, California would not be able to pick up the slack for another month or so. We might not even be able to find them. Number two, if we can find them, they're going to be very expensive. They could go up two to three times. America's appetite for made in Mexico has increased with the country demanding fresh foods rather than processed foods. A complete border shutdown could mean no travel by car, bus or foot. Bad news for U.S. border states that rely on the relationship with Mexico. Tonight, a lot is on the line with America's third largest trading partner. Yet another Brexit vote in the British Parliament today, and once again, it resolved nothing. Lawmakers failed to find a majority for any of four proposals that were alternatives to the government's rejected Brexit deal. They included remaining in a customs union with the EU and holding a new referendum on Britain's membership in the bloc. The government is still trying to build support for Prime Minister Theresa May's deal, which has been rejected three times. If there is no agreement, Britain will crash out of the EU on April 12th, something many experts warn could be disastrous. Well, we now know why the Rolling Stones have postponed the North American leg of their latest tour. 
The Stones announced over the weekend that their 17-date sold-out tour of the U.S. and Canada was on hold because of health issues for Mick Jagger. Turns out the 75-year-old singer is having a damaged heart valve replaced. Doctors told Jagger he wasn't fit to go on stage without the surgery. The closest this tour will get to Vancouver is a date in Seattle. In Health Matters tonight, it's hoped that a long-awaited decision by China could ease the opioid crisis in Canada, especially here in B.C. China will begin regulating all fentanyl-related drugs as controlled substances starting May 1st. The move will close a loophole where drug manufacturers skirted laws by exporting fentanyl variants that were technically legal in China. Both Canada and the U.S. have repeatedly pointed to China as the main source of synthetic opioids. A young Canadian race car driver has launched a national tour hoping to inspire students to overcome the odds in pursuit of their dreams. So you have to act like the mirrors aren't even there. Really? Yeah, you can't. If you take your eyes off for one second and look in the mirror, you're going to crash. 19-year-old Austin Riley was diagnosed with high-functioning autism at the age of 12. But he didn't let that get in the way of realizing his lifelong dream of car racing. Despite the challenges posed by autism, he stuck with it and became a decorated karting driver. He's now moved up and competes in the Nissan Micra Cup Series. Is there any limitations for you? Limitations? No. Like, I'm just... I want to race as, mo as long as I can, and I want to raise awareness for autism while doing it. What do, you, what do you hope to see from some of these kids? I just hope to see that they can, if they have a passion for racing or something, that they follow it as well, because I'm showing them that I did that with my passion for racing. Austin and his father Jason will visit more than 30 schools across the country, hoping to inspire everyone to go after their dreams no matter what might get in the way. It cost about $85 million Canadian to build, and it all might have to come down. After the forecast, why this huge mansion in the south of France has a date with a wrecking ball. The first, just ahead of Christie, a spectacular sight off the coast of Malaysia, where a giant water spout actually made landfall in the city of Penang. The spout lasted for about five minutes before it briefly arrived on land. It did some minor damage, tearing off the rooftops of some homes before dissipating. Thankfully, no one was injured. Pretty impressive sight. All right, let's uh, see what's going on out there. I wore a tie that mimics the cherry blossoms that I've seen popping up all over the city. But yeah, it's dry out there. It sure is dry, but it is, and did mean that the cherry blossoms came out a little bit earlier. Uh, because of our record warmth that we saw through March, we went from winter straight into this heat, and that's what really allowed them to pop out. And now we're going straight into wet weather. Not yet, though. We still have one more day of sunshine. This is the scene out there right now. I really hope that you are able to use the remainder of the day today and tomorrow because we're in for a change. We did break a few records today, not too many, Comac hitting 21 degrees, White Rock close to 20 degrees, and Victoria close to 18, breaking long-standing records also. Now, when we look at the highs across the region, 23 degrees in Langley, Aldergrove, and Cultus Lake, but that's uh, rounding those numbers up, and um, these aren't official numbers that we see across Canada because according to Environment Canada, Squamish was a hot spot across Canada at 22.4 degrees, but you can see in the lower mainland, we reached past that at 23. Now, these temperatures 
temperatures are a good four to five degrees above seasonal. We're going to see a massive change. Can you see the pool of cold air that's set to push in as well? Jet stream going to position itself right over the south coast, and that means one wave after another. And it all starts Wednesday morning. So tomorrow night, we'll see some cloud cover, but by Wednesday morning, it's going to be wet, and we'll see one wave after another. And we talked about close to 75 millimeters for Metro Vancouver. There's your forecast for northern regions, light snow in Fort Nelson. That's the one area getting precipitation tomorrow. Otherwise, sunshine across the board with 17 to potentially 21 degrees across Metro Vancouver, and then the rain hits. Let's go back to the cherry blossom, shall we? Yes, a nice shot from Rick, enjoying that blue sky with a close shot of the cherry blossoms and one last shot from, uh, he said, West 22nd near Vine Street. Beautiful. I chose the right day to wear this tie. Sure did. And so did Squire. You'll have a look at his in a moment. Right now, though, a wealthy British property developer has been ordered to tear down his new mansion in the south of France or pay big fines. Patrick Dieter's Renaissance-style chateau, which can be found on online home rental sites, features multiple buildings, a swimming pool, two helicopter pads, beautifully manicured gardens. He owns the property, but a French court has ruled the new buildings are illegal because the land is protected and he didn't get permission to build it. Dieter faces a $300,000 fine that will grow by $750 every day past the deadline for demolition. He has 18 months to comply. Used to be a little farmhouse on it, apparently, and he improved things a little bit, I would say. Well, you think you'd check before you you put that much money into your house. Or... As some guys will do, you build and then you litigate. Right. And then you we'll ask for forgiveness it. later. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Don't ask for permission, ask mm-hmm. for forgiveness. Yeah. Quickly, just before we get to Squire, we want to return to our top story for breaking details. A man in his 20 has been arrested in connection with a frightening incident that forced the evacuation of Langara College in Vancouver today. Our Tanya Beja is live at the school, and Tanya, police just released some new details a moment ago. What have you learned? Well, Chris, police say they identified a number of devices here on campus that were set to cause damage. They were apparently put in public places where they could potentially uh, hurt people sitting nearby. Some of those devices did actually go off and cause small fires. Others had not yet uh, been detonated, but police are going through the campus. Uh, spending a lot of time here making sure there are no risks uh, that have not yet been found. Now, they say Langara received no warning or threat prior to this incident. Police are uh, reviewing surveillance video and working as well to learn more about the suspect. They haven't released his name or whether uh, he was a student or former student at Langara, but they say that he was identified by somebody on campus. They won't say whether that was a professor or an administrator or student, but somebody recognized recognized him quite quickly and that's how police were able to track his movements. Again, he was found in Surrey at around four this afternoon by Transit Police. Here's more now from Vancouver Police. The Vancouver Police Emergency Response Team did enter the school, have gone through inch by inch of the school and they actually still remain here right now just to ensure that there's nothing left over. We have recovered a number of devices uh, Some were lit on fire, some did go off, some didn't, and we've made those safe at this point. 
Again, Langara remains closed here for the foreseeable future as police carry out their investigation. Chris, back to you. All right, scary for those students today and still no answer about being open tomorrow, but we'll have uh, details in an update throughout the evening. Thank you, Tanya. All right, let's get to Squire and sports. Thank you very much, fellow pink tie wearer. Uh, there are those that feel the Canucks, well, since they're not going to make the playoffs, why not let the kids get more ice time? For example, why was Alex Adler playing almost 30 minutes in a mean-nothing game against Dallas on Saturday while Quinn Hughes just got over 16 minutes? But those who want to see more Quinn and less older defensemen at this point in the season are not about to sway Travis Green's way of handling Quinn Hughes. We're going to try to ease Quinn in, and I think we've done a good job of that. He's played his second NHL hockey game, and I don't think he needs to go right to the first power play unit right now. Let's ease him in. And a lot of people in the market, though, see the way that those guys did in overtime. And, and me and yeah, I'm excited what like, we did in overtime. Yeah, but it's not my job to worry about what the people in the market and want, what they want to see. So it's my job to make sure that we do what's best for the hockey team and for for Quinn and I think we've done a good job of that he got a good look in three on three and let's just take it a game at a time I get what he's saying personally I would like to see him on the first power play unit that's mm -hmm. me uh, Alex Ovechkin is 33 years old at least that's what his birth certificate says but he's like a comic book superhero he never ages he always looks and plays the same actually no he does have gray hair now mm -hmm. but outside of that he looks and plays the same He's at 51 goals this season after getting two on the weekend. For other players in the league, like those who play on the Canucks, Ovechkin is one of the wonders of the hockey world. Ovechkin fires it over the net. It comes down to Oshie. Girls it in front. They score. Ovechkin hits 50 goals. To see what he does, it shows uh, he's probably one of the greatest goal scorers in the game to, to ever play. So, uh, you know, that's... <laughs> That's something uh, not a lot of guys can do. And it banks right to Carlson to Ovechkin to try these goals. It's an, it's incredible. I mean, these goalies are so good nowadays, and and for him to score 50 goals eight times, and especially uh, this game, uh, this day and age, I mean, it's it's really impressive. It just shows how accurate a shot is and how um, elite he is and what he does. In the hierarchy of the game's greatest goal scorers, where would you rank Alex Ovechkin? For 15 NHL seasons, all he's done is score. You know it's going to happen. His teammates know it's going to happen. And the opposition knows it's going to happen. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, he's, he's incredible. Um, when he's on, he's, he's uh, almost impossible to stop, really, with, with how strong he is. The only thing more impressive than Ovechkin's ability to score goals is his remarkable streak of staying healthy. In over a decade and change in the NHL, the longest stretch he's missed in a season was 10 games. He's played a full 82-game season four times. This from a guy who's the exact opposite of today's modern NHL body type of being lean and fast. He is, and that's why I think he's been able to, uh, you know, not, you know, stay healthy, I think. Um, you know, yeah, his playing weight is is pretty heavy and and he is able to still you know fly and and um, that's that's a special player as hockey fans we've all been fortunate to watch one of the nhl's greatest goal scorers but it's hard to top jay beagle's experience and we're not just talking about winning the stanley cup alongside ov um it's pretty cool to um to say that i was able to play with him and, and um you know i think i assisted on one of his goals just one 
So I'll take that. <laughs> That's good. Dennis Shapovalov has moved up to a top 20 ranking, up from uh, 2030. He's now 20th in the world. Felix Oje Aliassim, who also made the semifinals at the Miami Open, like Shapovalov, he really moved up 24 spots to number 33 in the world. Of course, Milos Ronic has been in that top 20 for a while, although he has dropped down from 14 to 15. But he's still the highest-ranked Canadian what is turning out to be right now a golden age for Canadian tennis players because there's Bianca Andreescu, of course, won an Indian Wells a couple of weeks ago, and she is up one spot now to 23rd in the world. Oh, Canada at the uh, World Men's Curling Championships. Kevin Cooey's rink, still unbeaten, 5-0. They beat up on Norway today. This is part of that beat up or beat down, if you like. 5-1 and one end for a 10-2 win. Okay. It's kind of like satellite debris, but it isn't really because it's Monday and we only That's do true. satellite debris. Well, on Friday. the only time we do Mondays is when the Super Bowl happens. That's true. That's the only time. That's true. But they said, let's do some April Fool stuff because some of it's getting very intricate. Yeah. Uh, so we thought we'd show you some April Fool stuff from around the world. But we're going to start with something very local, and that's the New Westminster Police pulling people over in a roadblock with the speed gun and then surprising them in a nice way. Well, with the kids back to school after a nice, long, sunny spring break, we thought we would take the chance to uh, have some fun with April Fool's Day. April Fool's. There's a $10 gift card to Starbucks for you. <laughs> Thanks for doing the speed limit. And then when they find out that they're actually getting a Starbucks card, it's a, um, a bright spot in their day. Being that it's April Fool's today, what we want to do... What we want to do is reward you with a $10 Starbucks gift card for okay. doing the speed limit. Okay, thank you so okay, much. Okay, so thank you very much for doing the speed limit. Okay, have a good day. That is classic. Yes, yeah. I like that. Did you, did you read lips on that first guy? There? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he told him to be you know, fruitful and multiply, but not exactly in those words. I think so. Uh, okay, so this one from Google. Google. <laughs> The Netherlands produce about 50% of all flowers in the world. The most famous one of all, the tulip of course. Flowers are really remarkable organisms. We've known for decades that they can actually communicate to each other through their root system. Hello. We collected an incredible amount of information. Using automated machine learning, we turned this information into a new rudimentary language, which is becoming more and more sophisticated over time. Okay, Google, talk to my tulip. What do you want? Water, please. We've applied all this research into our latest product, Google Tulip. Two granddaughters, Francis, who just had a second baby. That is so interesting. And <laughs> finished. <laughs> Nothing left. More. You're you promised more water. At Keukenhof, we are very excited about Tulip technology. We like to know what tulips need, and what better way than to ask them. I need water, more light. Please improve humidity. Please come here, more space. No more compost. Thank you. Why are there so many lights? More light. Of course, this is only the beginning. We're rolling out the Tulip language in the beginning of April, but we're already well underway with several updates. Hello? No. Cactus. Leave me alone. It's so great not to have a one-way relationship with the tubes anymore. What is the meaning of my existence? 
OK Google, play my favorite music. Uh, yeah, that's right. Actually, it would be cool if you could talk to plants and flowers. Okay. We're spending a lot of money on these things. WestJet always does something mm -hmm. fun. Here we go. Welcome to Flyer Festival. A transformative journey. Prepare to be transformed. An immersive music festival at 35,000 feet. It's immersive because you're there. On WestJet's 787 Dreamliner. It's the new one. An event that's all about the music. Models. Social influencers. Social influencing. Social influencers getting down to cool EDM beats. Social influencers getting down to cool EDM beats and feeding cute little pigs. They're emotional support animals. Flyer is an experience and a festival. It's in the sky, which is expensive. Did we mention there's models? I'm a model. I'm a model. I'm also a model, but I'm male. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We're pretty sure it's happening. Just to recap, there will be models. Nice. So, are you in? Not a chance. Happy April Fools from WestJet. Pretty good. A lot of money spent. No, Let's hope it goes better. I mean, if there was one, than the actual fire festival. What a yeah, that yeah. thing was. Uh, what a joke. But the documentary was great. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Thanks for watching, everybody. Sophie will be back with us tomorrow. Thanks for watching.